Suspense. The Stratford Community Theater now presents an adaptation from the CBS Radio Network series, Suspense. Originally broadcast November 16, 1958, and produced by William H. Robson. Mrs. Rogers was the kind of lady to whom nothing ever happens. A quiet widow, living in a quiet town, among quiet friends. But dear Mrs. Rogers hardly expected to become involved in a murder when she put that innocent little classified ad in the evening paper. Things weren't that quiet. Listen, listen then, as Faye Dayton stars in My Dear Niece, which begins in just a moment. I'm Dr. Homer Beats of Beats Small Animals, your home for regional veterinary services. And this is my boy, Clot. Hi. So I guess Clot here says he finally graduated from that online taxidermy thing he's been taking. Yeah, and Dad says I could set up shop out in the shed behind the vet clinic. Whatever. Beat Small Animals has been here for 22 years to serve your veterinary needs. And now you can drop off that big fish or that bird thing that you shot, and I'll build you a lifelike trophy display with it. Well, don't hold your breath. Beat Small Animals, three miles south on the blacktop. Here to nurse Rover back to health. And if Rover's too far gone, well, think of Clot's taxidermy. Either way, you get your dog back. And now, My Dear Niece, starring Faye Dayton, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. My dear niece, I'm writing you this letter in explanation of certain recent actions of mine, about which you are probably curious. You will recall that it was upon your advice that I placed the advertisement in our local paper, and you will probably recall its text. Widowed woman, genteel, some secretarial experience, drives own car, desires position of interest with reliable business house. Address, Mrs. Emily Rogers, Box 2B, or phone Hilton, 22412. Hello? Mrs. Emily Rogers, please. This is she speaking. I'm calling about the ad you ran in yesterday's paper. Oh, yes. I think I can offer you a position you'd be interested in, Mrs. Rogers. My name is Bruce. Yes, Mr. Bruce? 
We are a very small publishing house, Mrs. Rogers, and we need someone to take care of any of our contacts we might wish to make in your part of the country. Oh, you aren't from Hilton, then? No, our offices are in Los Angeles. We'd pay you $50 a week, providing you could use your home as an office. Although, there wouldn't be much office work required. And as I say, the position primarily would be one of establishing contacts. Why, it sounds fine, Mr. Er... Bruce. It sounds fine, Mr. Bruce. Good. Then consider yourself under salary beginning immediately, Mrs. Rogers. I'll phone you again as soon as there's something more definite for you to do. And that's how I got the job. I assumed, naturally, that I would immediately receive instructions from Mr. Bruce as to how I should go about establishing contacts. But the first word I had after the telephone conversation was when the postman arrived the next Saturday with an envelope for me containing a check for $50. There was no return address on the envelope, and the check was a personal one, bearing no company name. It was signed R.L. Bruce. Three weeks went by in this fashion. Each Saturday, I would receive the $50 check in the mail, and I began to wonder what I was being paid for when at last I heard from Mr. Bruce. I have your first assignment for you, Mrs. Rogers. I was beginning to wonder, Mr. Bruce. Getting impatient, were you? <laughs> well, this will keep you busy for a while. Really? A Mr. Paul Stevens will arrive in Hilton this afternoon. He's one of our most promising new authors. Yes? Mr. Stevens has some rewriting to do on a novel we plan to publish in a few months. Too many people interrupt him here in Los Angeles. I wonder, could you put him up at your home until he finishes? Why, I don't know. He'll be no bother, Mrs. Rogers. He has an awful lot of work to do. Well... Yes, I suppose I could. That's fine. It's just a place for him to get away. Oh, uh, one more thing. Yes? Just so we're sure he's not bothered, don't tell anyone he's staying with you. Our radio drama, My Dear Niece, will continue after a word from one of our fine sponsors. Finally, from Non-Secator Printing, publishers of the best-selling interactive guide to bad haircuts and the blockbuster complete, limited, annotated compendium of the knowledge of rocks, comes a widely anticipated, really big book, Volume 2. It's a really big book! Even bigger than last year's giant release, Really Big Book, Volume 1. I can't even carry it by myself! Everyone needs a really big book, my cousin left his sitting on his porch, and now a family of badgers is living in it. Only $29.95 plus, oh, about 80 bucks for shipping and handling. When I sit on it, my feet don't even touch the floor. And if you order now in the next six minutes, you will get a second really big book, Volume 2, for free. Just pay a small additional shipping and handling charge. And it comes in a variety of colors to your home decor. 
No, it doesn't, you idiot. It's really big. And now, starring Faye Dayton with Cody Tolstat in Act Two of My Dear Niece. And that's all I knew of the job, my dear niece. A Mr. Paul Stevens would phone me when he arrived in Hilton, and I was to let him stay at my home until he had finished a novel he was writing. It seemed ridiculously easy, but at least I would be doing something for my pay. It was quite late in the afternoon, almost five o'clock, when the telephone rang. Hello? Uh, Mrs. Rogers? This is Mrs. Rogers. This is Paul Stevens, Mrs. Rogers. Oh, yes, Mr. Stevens. I've been expecting your call. I wonder if you could pick me up. Of course. Oh, that's very kind of you. Where are you? I'm at the corner of, um, just a moment. A corner of Brookside and Sierra Madre. Fine. The corner of Brookside and Sierra Madre. I'll be driving a black Buick Coupe. Black Buick Coupe. I'll be waiting. Bye. Goodbye, Mr. Stevens. When I arrived at the corner of Brookside and Sierra Madre, the usually quiet intersection was filled with people and an ambulance was just pulling away. For all I knew, Mr. Stevens could be in it. Then I saw Officer Barnes in the police car. He would know. Oh, good afternoon, Mrs. Rogers. What happened? Hit and run accident, a few minutes ago. Who was hit? A man, about 35. No identification yet. Was he badly hurt? He's dead. Oh, how awful. Yep. Well, I was supposed to meet someone, a gentleman, here. A Mr. Paul Stevens. I'll be glad to call you when we get an identification on him. Would you? I'd be very grateful. I went slowly back to where I had parked. I was confused and frightened a little that the hit-and-run victim might be Paul Stevens. And if so, how would I get in touch with Mr. Bruce to tell him what had happened to his young author? And then, just as I started my car, I heard someone tapping on the window. Yes? Uh, Mrs. Rogers? Yes? I'm sorry to have kept you waiting. I'm Paul Stevens. Oh, Mr. Stevens, I'm so relieved. Please get in. The accident upset me, 
I was afraid for a minute it was you. Oh, it wasn't me. Please, get in. Thank you. I tried making conversation with Mr. Stevens on the drive home, but he seemed tired and not inclined to talk. And so we drove quietly back to my house. We went inside, and I showed Mr. Stevens to his room, and then went into the living room to tidy up. The telephone rang as I was setting out some ashtrays. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Rogers. This is Officer Barnes. Oh, yes, Officer. I'm glad you called. I wanted to tell you that I met Mr... I checked that identification for you. Well, yes. That's what I wanted to tell you, Officer. The name was Paul Stevens, all right. Oh? We had a flyer on him. That's how we knew. He was wanted for a payroll robbery in L.A. And he wasn't hit by a car. He was thrown from a car. He was murdered. I stood there, frozen with fear. The telephone receiver in my hand, looking at the door to the hallway, where the man, who had called himself Paul Stevens, stood smiling tightly, holding a gun in his hand. A gun that was pointed right at me. This Stratford Community Theater presentation of My Dear Niece will return in a moment. This is Howard M. Housen inviting you to the grand opening of a new, fine, casual dining experience. Howard M. Burgers, in the basement of the old Pentecostal Church on Elm Street, across from the Piggly Wiggly. We have 51 big screen TVs, one hung above each table, and you own the remote. Fun for everyone! Our burgers are sized from the 3-ounce Baby Howie to the 26-ounce First Mistake served on a sesame seed Kaiser roll baked fresh daily in a hubcap. And we use only 100% pure vegetarian beef for those of you who are finicky about your source of protein. Our condiment wall includes over 200 items, tomatoes, sliced, diced, squashed, or spiced, pickles and peppers from raw, cute to ghost. And if there's a topping we don't have, we'll run out and get it for you on the spot. Marvel at our 12-foot-tall fountain of How's That Special Sauce. How's that special, you may ask? Because every home-brewed batch contains a three-pound brick of dark chocolate and a boot full of bourbon. Give us a try. And when your friends ask you, so, Howard M. Burgers, you can say, yep, meet you there. Howard M. Burgers, across the Piggly Wiggly on Elm Street, open every day, noon till midnight. And now, starring Faye Day and featuring Tim Marlette and Sherry Hansen, Act Three of My Dear Niece. My dear niece, what you do when a man points a gun at you? Well, I'll tell you. You do what he tells you to do. Hang up the phone. I 
hung up the phone. Sit down. I sat down. And I said, Who are you? Why did you pretend to be Mr. Stevens? I'm stupid. What? I didn't think they would find out who he was. I didn't know he was hot. You killed him? Yes, I killed Paul Stevens. Why? I run a very special kind of publishing business, Mrs. Rogers. That much of the story was on the level. I print, well, pornographic books for a very special clientele. Mr. Stevens somehow got a hold of the list of my customers and threatened to use it for blackmail. So, I killed him. You horrid man. Get your coat on, Mrs. Rogers. You've got some more driving to do. He made me drive him to a restaurant on the highway, out on the other side of town, a place with quite a bad reputation. All of the while, I was trying to remember who he was. I say remember because there was something familiar about him. But what that something was, I couldn't for the life of me think. There was hardly anyone in the restaurant since it was not yet dinner time. We'd just been seated at a table when a dark-complected woman slid into the seat next to the man who wasn't Mr. Stevens. What are you doing here? I had to come. It didn't work. They found out who he was. Well, why didn't you stay where you were supposed to? She knows I'm not Stevens. A cop told her. You could have stayed at her house anyway, couldn't you? Do you have to come right here where you could be picked up? Sal, uh, look, listen. What's the matter with you? Mary figures out a foolproof way for you to get rid of the guy and hide right underneath the cops' noses, and you have to go louse up the whole deal. It's not loused up yet. It will be if you don't get away quick. Maybe. Uh, oh, I, I don't think you've met Mrs. Rogers. Mrs. Rogers, this is Sal Newhold. She owns this place. Hi. How do you do? Look, how'd the cops find out who he was? How? He was hot. They had pictures and prints on him. I dumped him in the corner just before I met her. Now I remember. You're Mr. Bruce. He did that payroll job, that... What did you just say? He's Mr. Bruce, the man who offered me the job on the phone and asked me to look after Mr. Stevens. That's right, Mrs. Rogers. How did you know? Your voice. I thought there was something familiar about you. Now I know. Your voice. Sal, what are we going to do? The cops know the stiffest Stevens, and she knows who I am. What do we do now? You don't panic, and get out of here. But I need your help, Sal. Oh, you're on your own, buddy. And you'd better get out of here before the dinner crowd comes in and somebody maybe recognize you. Okay, Sal, so you won't help me. I can't. Don't you see that? Yeah, sure. Okay, let's go, Mrs. Rogers. But where? Back to your house and start all over again. After that, I'm not sure. But I may have to kill you. We will return for the conclusion 
of my dear niece after this brief intermission. Come on down to Benjamin Bondaro's Bountiful Biscuit Barrel Sushi Bar Buffet and Bait Shop here on the south shore of Upper Lake Mishawaka, Guantamogan for all of your fishing supplies and the Tri-County's finest and freshest sushi. Use the back door for chubs and crawlers and the side door for spring rolls. Announcing this week's special. Bottom feeders can't get enough of our semi-spicy soy-infused monster minnows. Grab an extra dozen, cousin. Whether you're snacking or snagging, these tasty treats will set the hook. That's Benjamin Bondaro's Bountiful Biscuit Barrel Sushi Bar Buffet and Bait Shop. We deliver if you don't live too far out. And now, starring Faye Dayton and featuring Harley Hansen and Lana Kruger, Act four of My Dear Niece. You may well imagine my fright, my dear niece, as I drove back through town with this bloodthirsty man at my side. My car is not new, as you know, and although I often have trouble with it, I never before had the horn stick. Stop blowing your horn! I'm sorry, Mr. Bruce. I'm not blowing my horn. It's gotten stuck. All right, stop the car. You stay there. Don't try to drive away, see? Yes, I see. Let's get out of here. You got the horn fixed, Mrs. Rogers? Who's that? Good evening, Mrs. Rogers. Uh, tell him everything's all right. Want me to fix that horn for you? No, thank you, Mr. Myers. It's all right. Well, it only take me a second to fix it so you could use it. Uh, never mind. Uh, Mr. Myers, this is Mr. Paul Stevens. How are you, sir? Hi. I see you pulled in wires to stop the horn. I usually take care of Mrs. Rogers' car myself. <laughs> that makes me feel funny when something goes wrong with it, you know. Of course. Uh, I'll bring it in in the morning, Mr. Myers. No sense you're bothering, Mrs. Rogers. I'll go along with you now. If you like, take you home. It's not safe to drive without a horn. Won't take long to fix it. And I'll have that car back to you first thing in the morning. I believe you said you wanted to show me the town this evening, Mrs. Rogers. Oh. Wouldn't you need the car? Well, I... I was looking forward to the drive. You don't mind. No, of course. You will pick the automobile up in the morning, Mr. Myers? Uh, sure. 
Oh, of course. Thanks for your trouble, Mr. Myers. Glad to help. This is such a little town. We all know each other and like each other. Like to help each other. That's so, Mrs. Rogers. Yes. Well, good night, Mrs. Rogers. I'm glad to have met you, Mr. Uh, Stevens. We drove on home. I tried to figure out why he chose me. Out of all the people who must have placed advertisements that day, as the person with whom he would hide out. But by now, I was convinced that Mr. Bruce had deliberately set out to murder Mr. Stevens for some reason and hide out in my house where the police would be most unlikely to look for him. But why my house? Why had he chosen me? When we got to the house, Mr. Bruce made me place a long-distance call to Los Angeles for him. It's ringing. All right, give it to me. Hello? Mary? Bud? Yeah, look, meet me at Sal's as soon as you can get here. Something's wrong. What's happened? Are you all right? Yeah, fine. I'll tell you more when you get here. And get here fast. All right, bud. Well, you got any pets you want to feed before we leave? Where are we going? A little trip. Don't answer that. It, it might be the operator calling back. She'll wonder. Mm, okay, answer it. But I'm right here. Hello? Mrs. Rogers, this is Officer Barnes. Say, oh yes, operator. Oh, yes, operator. Is he still there? Yes, operator. Stall him a little. We're coming after him. Thank you, operator. Dear Mr. Myers, he'd understood me, and he'd told the police, and they were going to save me. Well, you just can't imagine, my dear niece. I felt exactly like the heroine in a motion picture. I simply had to prevent Mr. Bruce from leaving the house. Just a few minutes, the officer had said. Just time enough for them to get here. All right, let's get going. I wish I knew where we were going. Do I have to take anything with me? Will we be gone long? You will, a long time. Well, then I'll need several changes of clothes. Let me see. You won't need anything. Oh, the heater. The what? Uh, I left the heater on in the other room. I'd better turn it off. All right, but make it fast. Well? Just a second. There. Now I feel better about it. Okay. Now you ready? Now I'm ready. Mr. Bruce turned off the lights and opened the front door. 
It was quiet on the street, peaceful and dark. But I thought for a minute that I saw a figure move suddenly toward us in the shadow. I kept praying. I wanted the police to be there, not only for myself, but because back there in the living room, the pieces of the puzzle had fit together. Now I knew the whole story, all of the whys and hows. Mr. Bruce motioned for me to go ahead, and I walked slowly down the path toward the automobile. I could feel Mr. Bruce a few steps behind me. Midway in the walk, it happened. Hold him high, Bruce. What? Get down, Mrs. Rogers. What? Oh, uh, there you are. Oh! Mrs. Rogers. Mrs. Rogers, are you all right? I'm all right. Thank you. I'm all right. And there it is, my dear niece. The explanation I promised you. I felt, as your aunt, that I should tell you, Mary, how you happened to be in the county jail awaiting trial. When Sal in the roadhouse first mentioned your name, I was suspicious. But not until Mr. Bruce made the phone call to you did I piece the story together. You had suggested the advertisement. Your husband answered it and employed me. Oh, if only you'd told me, my dear, that you'd gotten married while you were in Los Angeles. After all, I am your only living relative. And I could have come to your wedding. Then this whole thing wouldn't have happened, would it, dear? Because I would have known Mr. Bruce all the time. Let me know after the trial what your new address is to be. And I will continue writing. As always, Aunt Emily. Suspense. In which Faye Dayton starred in Stratford Community Theater's presentation of William N. Robson's production of My Dear Niece, written by Elliot Lewis. Supporting voice actors were, in order of appearance, Cody Tolstad, Tim Marlett, Sherry Hansen, Harley Hansen, and Lana Kruger. And now, a word from our cast. COVID has changed everybody's lives, and we miss you, our wonderful and faithful friends. For a quarter of a century, we have been able to gather in the dark of the winter for an evening of food, fun, and charity. Fortunately, this craziness will be over soon, and we will be able to gather again. Stratford Community Theater continues to support our area schools and award scholarships to deserving area seniors. And in the past, we've been able to assist with local emergencies and help fund worthwhile community projects. If you would like to continue your support of our mission, our mailing address is Stratford Community Theater, 290 Rondell Avenue, Suite 1, Stratford, South Dakota, 57474, and thank you. Pew, 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 pew!